Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics with a paranormal podcast that has a little tinker under the hood of the strange and the unexplained. Um, and Ben, Halloween's out the way. We've done another episode since then, but what have you got for us today? Absolutely. Yeah, we're uh, we're into November. Looking back, what we have done in quite a few episodes is talk to people who have either been influenced or uh, affected by people who have what the average person will call extraordinary abilities. And what we've never been really able to do is to ask some of the burning questions that we had to them. Like, I, I suppose it goes all the way back to the very first episode and Nikki talking about the ladies who came in to cleanse her house. Yeah, the mediums who came, yeah. That's right. And, it, and it's very, very easy to say those words but if you have those abilities how do you explain them to other people you come in and do your job it's a bit like asking a bricklayer yes i have built this wall but what does that actually mean and how does that feel and how did you learn that skill so we want to know how you mix the cement to make this happen (laughs) well yes that's my analogy that's it yes yes okay it's it's an analogy good because i was going to say i don't have a bricklayer on the line that isn't (laughs) that isn't i know not not quite the episode everyone was no no No, paranormal walls are you know we'll we'll get there in 2025 but but i think you're right ben because for me it's like I, I often wonder if for people who have these amazing abilities, and I think I think we touched on it on on some of the people we talked with remote viewing. Like, what does it feel like? You know, where does it come from? Let alone how it works. What does it feel like to do this? And how did you first find out? All those burning questions that we've had. And you're right, we've spoke to people who've been on the other side of it, but not people who we've never spoken to the practitioner well yeah exactly today we change all that because i would like to introduce to you sue radwell who is a practitioner of all those things but i'm gonna let her explain exactly what she is and what she does because i think it's better to hear it from her than me try and interpret it welcome sue Hi, Sue. Hi, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you, Ben and Peter, for inviting me. The first thing is, what? how would you describe yourself? Because um, a number of people that you have uh, helped and done work with recommended that I speak to you. But um, how would you describe yourself? If you were, like, not that these times are uh, true anymore, but if you were going to put an advert in the yellow pages, if that was you, what? how would you say... That what would you? How would you communicate your skill set? Okay, um, well, I I would consider myself to be an intuitive counsellor. Um, I work as a counsellor, and also I work as a healer, and the two are very intertwined. And on top of that, I do house clearing um, with energy work, not house clearing with a with a lorry. House right. clearing stuff, <laughs> energy. Um, so that's what I do. And uh, I, I do a lot of work remotely. Um, I work all over the globe, quite a lot in America. And uh, I find working at a distance, so I'm a distance healer and a distance house clearer as well. Okay. So if you were to boil it down into terms that maybe, um, not that we would understand better, but that we could dissect a bit. So you have psychic abilities you have energy healing abilities what to to make your uh to make your what you do for a living work what is the combination of skills that you have and how and how do they work together okay so um i actually am uh, able to remote view which means I've, i've got a very good sense of being able to see with my third eye at a distance um and I am a, a very good healer as well. And using my healing energies, I can travel along a, a line to get to my end place, house or wherever it is, whether it's in this country or abroad or in the, even in the next village. Um, and I, I work that way. Sometimes I actually physically go to the um, property, but mostly I do it from... Uh, from here at home and when you say uh 
house clearing i i understand that you're not removing uh, a bunch of beano comics from the 1960s to take them to a trade show but what is it that you are clearing okay it can be uh depends on the client i mean i've got hundreds of examples it's hard to narrow it down but um i just i suppose really and it's it's more sort of basic senses i'm removing the dark and and replacing it with the light and that dark could be anything from um uh somebody who's who's living there who shouldn't be there who's actually passed but they're still hanging around in some kind of form or um just some kind of a disturbance that's happened it's hard to tell you exactly it's it's always removing the dark anyway okay it's it's so it's a variety of entities uh yes yes okay so just to i think probably the best way for our audience to get handle on this is to understand it from your from your journey i think so how old were you when you first realized that you could do things that other people couldn't uh well i was 13 and um in those days uh we very few of us had a telephone believe it or not and um i was using a telephone box in a village near here and uh, I was phoning a friend, and suddenly I could see down the end of the phone, and I could see everything. And I'd never been to this house, never. It was in Great Missenden. I didn't even know where Great Missenden was, actually. And um, I could see the whole house. I could see the carpets, the colours, the furniture, the, everything, the clock on the mantelpiece. I can see it now, because it was such an extreme experience. And... Um, that became a bit of a party trick, actually. After I, I'd realised I could do this, I, I would try it. You know, I was 13, so it was an amazing party trick. So, um, and then that developed uh, as I got older, I, I got married, and we were, and I'm jumping a long way ahead, but um, I would, uh, for example, make a phone call and buy things out of the paper because as a newly married person we didn't have much money we're buying things second hand and it'd be my party trick to say to my husband oh I can see this guy or whoever and when we get there it'd be exactly that person you know what I mean so I, I knew my third eye was very active and I could definitely see it at a distance but I didn't realize it was going to be of any use to me whatsoever at that point okay can I go can I go back to your first experience because that that so you're in this phone box you're on the phone to someone you knew and then suddenly you got this visual thing how did that feel at the time was it was it scary was it elating what 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 emotionally were you feeling yeah that's quite interesting it felt like the most normal thing in the world it was like um, a camera had opened up in the middle of my head and it was as clear as I can see you now, or clearer, uh, unbelievably. And it was literally like my third eye just opened like a shutter, and it was just behind my third eye, about probably a quarter of the way in my head. I could see like a movie in my head. And it honestly, it didn't frighten me. I was totally fascinated by it. And it was just like breathing. It just felt so normal. Wow. And when you say you could see it, like, is it when you see these things, is it like when you see it with your, you know, what what I would say is your standard two eyes, or is there something different to it? On that occasion, it was exactly like my eyes. It was exactly like that. But it's evolved over the years, and I, I don't see that now. And when you had that vision, so I'm trying to, for somebody who's never experienced that, it's a difficult thing to understand. If you, so your your two normal optical eyes are looking in the phone box and yet your third eye is seeing this other house, are you seeing, sorry if this is a really naive question, but are you seeing two things or are you sw- are you swapping between them or is one superimposed over the other? How does it actually physically feel? 
Oh, that's interesting. I'd not even thought about that. I uh, No, the third eye definitely takes over from what I would consider the normal vision. Definitely. I'm aware of my surroundings, but I am more focused on, on the third eye vision. Right. I see. I see. And then, so you just, it's interesting language that you use there. You say that it's a party trick. Did you assume that everybody could do it but didn't talk about it? Or did you know that it was something a little bit special? Uh, a bit of both, I think. I, I think I, 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 because it felt so normal to me, I did think maybe other people could do it. But on the other hand, when people said they couldn't do it, at 13 or 14 probably 15 by then um I realized it was you know probably party trick isn't the right word but you know what I mean it's something that I got tested on you know and, and people would joke about it and I would joke about it so I didn't realize it had any use at that time and at that time that is like for children and um, young teenagers 13 14 15 is a it's a tricky time. Did it mean, does does that ability translate into being able to have a more intuitive feeling about um, like friendships and what you're doing in in life? Does it make you make better decisions at that age, do you think? I think it possibly does. I, I think I can take a pretty rounded view of things um, because of it. Um, I can use my sensitivities to actually feel out what feels right on a gut level, an intuitive level, more so perhaps. Um, I, I, I would think so. Okay. And then... Um, sorry, Peter. I was just wondering, I was wondering when, um, when you're telling your story, how... How and when did you find out you weren't the only person who could do this? I think when people started asking me to perform and, uh, you know, and I was like, they were intrigued by it. And I realised that it was because they couldn't do it, you know. Uh, but, uh, but when did you meet, did you meet somebody who else who could do this and then that kind of changed your perception of it? Or was that after a period of time? No, not until, I mean, it went a bit dormant for a while because I was busy studying and working and doing all the things that we do. And it wasn't really until possibly about 20 years later that I suddenly started to meet people and discuss it more and got more involved with things and then realised actually it was something I could develop. Right. And it wasn't really until about 30 years ago that I actually started to actively develop it and actually make sure that I did use what abilities I had. So then it started to really roll because I was meeting all kinds of people who were helping me. Right. And so where, so at the stage where, so we at, at 13, 14, 15, you're able to see into houses um and in the introduction you described that um uh, clearly you do you do house clearings of entities do you recall the first time that you realized that there was an entity somewhere that you were remote viewing that shouldn't be there um well i i tend to get called in when people have got something that they don't want so i don't look at houses and then think oh there's something there so it, it you know I always know that there's very likely to be something there anyway um and then it's it's working out what it is and you know how it needs to be managed really and do you have an idea like it feels like this is a this is something this is an ability that um it was almost thrust upon you it was you you found it and so I can understand that that probably means that um, sometimes what you're able to do, you don't fully understand how it happens or what it is that you're looking at. Have you ever felt like um, this is an ability that uh, 
I suppose some people would call it not a poison chalice, but sometimes it's you, you wish that it wasn't there because there's a lot of noise in your head or have you always embraced it? Uh, no, I don't have a lot of noise in my head. In fact, quite the opposite, to be honest with you. Um, I meditate a lot. Uh, my mind is pretty still quite a bit of the time. Um, if I'm doing a house clearing, it's even stiller because um, I, I actually allow the energy to do the work. It's I, I know it's not me doing the work, me as Sue. It's the energy that comes through me that I'm channeling through me that actually is doing the work. So the less I do, the less I engage with it, the stronger it is. Okay, that's interesting. The energy that comes through you. So is there another consciousness that is using you, like, excuse the expression, but as a as a tool or a device? Or is it something that you're drawing from to make the most of your skills? Do you have an impression on that? Yeah, I, I consider myself to be a radio, really, um, that I can tune according to what I need to do and then just ask for whatever is available to come through me to do the work that needs to be done. Um, and, and that's the beauty of being able to work abroad or, or away from my location because radio waves, as you know, will travel anywhere. And that's the only similarity I can draw that it's, you know the waves will travel and what do you think these have you any idea what these waves are why they're there well i no, not really i mean except that I, i've trained in a variety of healing methodologies um you know I've, I've done the reconnection i've done vortex healing i've worked with llamas rinpoches i've worked with many many people over the years wizards all kinds of people um and when I first started doing the house clearing, I actually physically used to go to the houses because I thought that was the only way I could do it. Little did I know that it was actually better not to go. Um, it was more, even more powerful if I don't go. Um, but a wizard taught me how to put energy into a jar. And that's how I started getting to be known, that they would ask, people would ask me for these jars. Mm. So I would create um like energy vortexes in in jars and give them an intention to clear a house and then and then people would take them to the house and or i would take them to the house and let them go and they have the most miraculous way of working and people would say all kinds of amazing things um but i've evolved from that and i don't use the jars anymore i just just channel the energy directly now right it's it's interesting because when when we um we did one of the first episodes we did about um a house that was cleared uh there was lots of talk of burning white sage and stuff like that what, uh, did did you do any of that it seems like a very different process that you're doing it, yes i mean burning sage and all kinds of things i mean i've got some um what is it called palo santo here um, which is like a wood that you can burn to clear. But I tend not to use it, really. Um, I don't feel, I don't need to use that type of thing. Um, but some people do, and I think it's great. It, it's quite a shamanistic way of working. And it's a really good way of working if people find it works. I wouldn't discount it. Do you do you think when people do that, it's almost, it's more it's focusing their energy on that rather than necessarily the sage itself that's working? I think it's a bit of both. I, th I think that the herb does have qualities that, right. yeah, I mean, it's been handed down over year, years and years and years and years. I, I wouldn't discount. It's just something I don't use. I, I don't know too much about it. I, I know people do believe in it hugely. Right. Just to go back to um, you, you said there that you had uh, a break between knowing that you had the abilities and then um, really flexing them and you were training. What, what, what were you training in, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, well, I, I, I don't know quite how it happens again. I mean, this is just how things happen to me. They just happen. Um, but I, I kind of had this prod that I needed to learn uh, to become a healer I, it was just something that it was like I just had to do it I couldn't look back and um, I was looking for something that appealed to me 
And I met somebody who said, oh, try this method. I think you'll enjoy it. I've just done the course and all of this. So I found the number and I went and it just worked. He was absolutely right. It did work for me. And that was in the 1990s, late 80s, 1990s. And uh, and I never really looked back after that. I started doing some training and then I did more training and more training. And I'm still doing training now because I really enjoy it. And, you know, I'm learning all the time. And it's very typical. The, the more you learn, the less you know with this mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I was going to say when we uh, we did a few episodes on uh, the CIA program and the American military program into psychic remote viewing, and there was a view that anyone could learn to do it. Do you, do you agree with that? Or do you think there are only certain people who know how to do it? I, I think possibly that is true, um, that you can learn to do anything. But whether you'll be very good or good enough yeah. or not good at all is another matter, isn't it? I guess it's like you could learn to be a tennis player, but that doesn't mean you're going to win Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the way I see it. But yeah, some people have got a natural ability that can be enhanced. Other people learn it and then can become good at it. But I don't have a method. I think these guys from the military have a method, don't they? Yeah. You know, I I find I have to, as I said before, the less I do, the better it is. I have to step out of myself. So it seems very uh, kind of instinctive for you, the the way you approach whatever you're doing. Yeah, you could use that word. Yeah, okay. And I'm interested in um, your world view to this do you feel like your ability comes from like a biological thing like a a particularly uh advanced part of your brain somehow or do you think it's spiritual coming from somewhere else and if it is that where where is that something else what is that something else okay um that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> so, okay. Can just ask me that question in one chunk. <laughs> okay. So the ability that you have, is it biological or is it ethereal coming from a spiritual place? I don't actually think it's either. I, I can't isolate it. I, it's just me. It's the way it is. I, I don't know the answer to that. I I sometimes sense it's really on the edge of the unmanifest. It's where it's coming from. It's just there and it it just arrives to do its job. Right. So it could be either. Yes. And in all the time that you have, and we'll, we'll sort of touch on some of your most memorable stories or clients in a minute, but during your time which is at least 30 years in dealing with this stuff has it changed your spiritual belief like would you call yourself i don't know an atheist or would you say that you believe in different realms and high powers or or you are an an no not a naturist i don't mean that i mean do you (laughs) think that all of these um you know, perhaps you would call them vibrations. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but do you think this is just a product of the universe as it is sort of scientifically explained? It's very hard to put that into a small sentence because there are so many different belief systems encompassed in there, but I'm not sort of saying, oh yeah, do you believe in God or anything like that? I'm just sort of saying like from your own mind, when you wake up in the morning, what is your place in the universe, do you think? Okay. Um, I don't believe in... In a religion, I I wouldn't say I'm a religious person, but I am interested in religion. It all comes back to the same point, that there's this oneness. Um, And the oneness is, I think, where I sit, that it just, when I wake up in the morning, I'm truly amazed that the sun rises without us doing anything. And I'm amazed that the sun sets without us doing anything. And we have winter, summer, spring, autumn without us doing anything. 
And the simplicity of that is quite awesome. And that's in a way where I sit with the healing. The simplicity of it is the easy bit. It's understanding it is the hard bit. Mm. I wish I understood how everything interacts. I really do. I really wish I understood it. It's, the more I, the more I do, the more I see. Truly, the less I know. Mm-hmm. It's just becoming part of everything that exists. Is a nice way to sit, and when I'm doing healing or house clearing or anything like that, I feel part of it. I interface with it. I become it. Okay, that's that's great. I. I love the fact that Ben asked you a really easy question. What's our place in the universe? It's just so simple, right? <laughs> um, Can I come back to the uh, your house clearancing thing? Because we, we you, uh, you touched upon it a little bit. Of so we we've, we've talked to people who have done that before, not necessarily on the podcast, but just just in general conversation. And some people say, "Yeah, no, it's it's the spirits of." dead people some people say no it's a kind of entity that's part of a universe have you any thoughts on that or is it again is it just you just go with it do you think that they are the spirits of the dead or is it something else okay uh, yes that's an interesting question too i for me it's like they leave an imprint and the way i describe it is like if you put your hand in sand wet sand there's an imprint and the shape of that hand is in the sand, but the person isn't there. Right, right. So it's like an imprint is left. So a person who dies tragically can leave an imprint on the energy of the place. So the person isn't there, but the imprint is. And uh, I've had situations where people haven't known they've died when they've died very suddenly. They don't know that they've died, so their imprint is still there, and there's this confusion that where am I? Um, you can get this with children; they, they don't know. It. But it's it's that. So I I when people say they can talk to dead people, I think they're talking to an aspect of that dead person. Right. So it's not like a two way conversation. It's somehow picking up on this imprint in some way. So I guess that would make in. In a way, weirdly, when you were talking, the, the image that came into my head was you and your energy coming in is a bit like a wave flattening out the sand. Is Would that be a good description of the handprint? Looking at it, yeah. Getting rid of the bumps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. So I've got, I've got three words written on my notepad, which I, 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 I can't get my head around. And I know you're not these things, so, but I'm just going to ask you your view on them. So, so people talk about psychics people talk about clairvoyance people talk about mediums are they the same thing are they a different thing or had i don't understand the differences or is there not a difference between those words it's quite hard to label these things because they're all similar aren't they uh, you know a clairvoyant is clear seer that's what clairvoyant means it's a clear seer um a psychic would would suppose to have psychic abilities and what was the other one you said? Uh, a medium. A medium. Uh, a medium would have mediumistic uh, uh, qualities and, and claims to be able to speak to the dead. So you'd have them in a spiritualist church, uh, you know, and, and people stand up on stage and actually, yeah. you know, bring messages through. Where, where, I, where I kind of scratch my head is those three things in the way you've described them, they seem very different in terms of skill set and do they all tie into the same energy or or are they very separate skills i I think they all tie in 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 that people would need to be relatively sensitive in order to do this type of work but everybody has different skills and, and different um sensitivities that allows them to do different things yeah tend to be known for giving readings don't they so you would say i'm having a psychic reading but then i would class myself as psychic but i don't give readings right because i was going to say that it's almost like in my mind the way i've separated and i don't there's probably not a right way is psychics are the kind of people who could say you know oh i sense this thing and it's something that 
say I've not told anybody else, but you've picked up on it. That's me would be a psychic. A, a clairvoyant um, would be somebody who can say, I don't know, you know, in 10 years' time, you're going to marry a handsome stranger and have three kids, right? And then a medium is somehow some connection with the spirit world. And that's where I kind of go, God, they, they seem very, very different things. But you think that in some way they do tie into the same energy. I think so. I, I think, they, as I say, they have the sensitivity. I, I think all, over the years people become labelled with things. It's like when I say I'm a healer, people automatically think that I'm a psychic clairvoyant. You yes. know, I often get asked to do readings. And I, I can't, funnily enough, I can't see into the future, but I can see into the past. That's really interesting you say that because we when we interviewed uh, Paul H. Smith again, who was this military remote viewer, and he was saying he isn't convinced that people can see into the future. He knows you can go back in time with remote viewing and view things that have happened, and people do claim to have gone into the future and done it, but he wasn't 100% convinced that they were getting something accurate by doing that. So it's interesting you said that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only only a few times have I seen into the future, but it's not been anything of interest. It's been right. a, glimpse, a glimpse. So uh, I wanted to go back to um, well, I think where where we started our whole journey with Nikki and that question of. Um, an entity hanging around and then being passed through what what does that mean where where are why are they here and whatever what does the here mean and where do they go oh. and do you know <laughs> <laughs> or you could tell us what's the meaning of life if that either of those pick <laughs> oh dear <laughs> Where do they go? Okay, well, let's start with where they go. That's probably easier. Um, my sense is that they go back to light. They go back to where they ought to be, which is in light. And they stop disturbing us here on Earth. And and what does that mean? What does light mean? Is that the default state of consciousness? I think that's the only way that you could make it into some kind of sense. Yes. Okay. And when they get when they go, like with, with you know, to use our analogy earlier, when your when your kind of energy wave washes the sand clean of them, how does that feel for you? Do you feel something, or is it physically or emotionally? Do you get a, something out of it? Um, yeah, because I'm quite detached from it. I'm watching it. And watching it and watching it and sometimes I'm finding that the energy is pushing up against something very gently very gently and then I find it getting less and less and then it's and then I find it dissolved completely so this this feeling of dissolving is probably a good word to use and dispersing um, and then it's gone and then once it's gone and the work's done I then will often get shown like a movie of what it was that was there. But while it's actually processing, I'm only aware of the energy. And then I get the pictures of what was there before. Right. Like it's showing me back to front, really. Now, this is now. This is how it happens to me now. In the past, it's been different. It's different now to how it used to be. And do you do that? Do you think it's developed that way in some way to kind of protect yourself, or because I know we again with with the Nikki case, one of the people who come to clear the house basically went, "I can't go in that room. I'm not going in that room." You said you were kind of detached from it. Do you think that's a bit of self preservation that's made you detach from it? Uh, no, I not really. It just is the way it's evolved, and I find it easier. And because I'm now working so much at a distance, it's even easier. You said that before. Why do you think that is? Why, why, why distance do you think helps? Um, 
I don't know for sure, but I do know that uh, one of the modalities I use, the reconnection, actually has been proven to work more powerfully at distance. Right. And uh, when I've done, he- well, when I do healing with using reconnection, it is very powerful at distance. It's no less powerful when people come to see me, but people are really surprised by how powerful it is when they have it at a distance. It's funny, as you were talking, again, it made me think of the the remote viewing phrase of kind of signal and noise, I think they describe it. The signal is very clear, but you get so much noise, it's hard to work out what signal and noise is. So, So maybe in some way being remote or you know i don't know how you do it via zoom or over the phone maybe in some ways it cuts out some of the noise i don't know well i don't use the phone i don't use the zoom i don't have any dialogue with people at all oh, it's completely... I do it. yeah, wow. it's completely remote so i don't wow. I like to go cold as well i don't want people to tell me what the problem is they can tell me that they've got a problem but i don't want detail and again, that seems very like remote viewing because, again, with the remote viewers, they get set targets and what they learnt was rather than telling them or giving them a hint at what the target is, they'd literally just give them a number. And that was it. Think, yeah, I think uh, for me, I, the less I know, the better I can work. Wow. Going cold. But I've really had to trust that. I've really had to trust myself that it is accurate. Because if I'm working with a client, you know, I, I don't want to be making up a story. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I just want it to be what I can see and have and be brave enough to say what I can see as well. Yeah. And so this is a question that, uh, in another way, I put to both Daz and Paul. Do you do you only connect with other places of human dwelling or do you sometimes either wittingly or unwittingly connect with animals or even species not of our planet has that ever happened uh not yet no <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't discount it who knows um i sometimes work with houses where dogs are disturbed but I'm. But then I'm not working on the dog. I'm the uh, the dog is disturbed, you know, because of what's happening. But as yet, no, I haven't. Haven't tried. Maybe I should. That's that's an experiment for later. That's brilliant. Um. So when when we, I'm just going to go back to these entities one more time. The the entities that you find in in lots of people's houses, and you say that they're usually like fractions of people's personalities um in your view do you think that there are i guess what we would call demons do you think there are things which are formed out of um consciousness consciousnesses that aren't originally human i haven't actually considered that i've not actually found that i've never worked on anything that felt like that um it's it's always been someone who's been there. Um, Have you had a, a, a when you go in? Are some places kind of easier to deal with than others? Has there been examples where you've gone, oh, it's really extreme there, and you're saying it's quite instinctive? Has there been one where you've gone, I'm going to have to work hard here to make this work? Yeah, some of them are like that. I I had a situation with a house in America. It's one of those really big old American houses, and they they could constantly hear running water. And um, she actually sent me a picture of it. And I was on this occasion, I was actually quite pleased to have the picture because I could tell her exactly what room all this was going on in um, because I didn't want to know. I wanted to be able to see it myself. And that was quite hard because it was it was quite um, an energy that was moving very fast and moving around. And that actually thinking about it didn't feel very human. Um, but I didn't really dwell on it. I was more working on trying to calm it down and then try and stop the water sound and all of this. Um, but that worked. That was a while ago, actually. I can't remember too much detail about that one. But, uh, yeah. And is, is, 
but if they are differences, is your process always the same, or are you at a point where you go, "Oh, I'm going to have to," you know, I don't know the tennis player analogy, or oh, I'm going to have to do the backhand with the topspin on this one? Is that are there kind of different approaches depending on the place? Uh, yes, sometimes I need to go very gently. I recently did one in Texas where uh, the lady had lost her husband and her son. And there was a lot of grief around this. And I didn't, because the person who lives in the house gets affected by a house clear quite often in that it's quite healing for them too. So in that instance, I had to go very carefully and I took a whole week doing little bits daily to clear it through very, very gently rather than just go in and do it in one go. Um, and that that felt right to do that because I needed to be it to be calm for her. Um, other times I can go in and just clear through. I did one that was um, was an, an earthquake house actually, and uh, obviously it was it was quite fragile. And that was another house that I felt I needed to be very careful with um, and, and and be slow with it, not do too much too fast. So, uh, yeah, I, I do have um, a different gear. I have different gear. <laughs> Maybe that's a better way of describing it, different gear. And, 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 and off days, you must have days where you go, oh, it's just not working today, or is, does, it always, does it always work? Because I'm so detached from it, the off day doesn't happen, because even if I, if I have an off day, I'm just passing it over. Yeah. sounds like I don't do anything. It's like, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it sounded like a great gig. We would have get it's totally instinctive, and you don't have an off day. It's brilliant. I can stay at home. <laughs> brilliant. So, when just to ask about that Texas one, and please don't share any information which is private. But I'm I'm guessing that when you say that it was the father and son that passed away, it was the parts of their personality their their entity that were hanging around um so how i guess like there's a reason why they're around and presumably that is a uh a reason a flawed reason because their consciousness doesn't understand they should be somewhere else do you get a sense of um the relief that these entities find when they're being taken to the place they should be yeah I I can give you a more direct example of that actually and and this is really I I still I still love this guy um I went to a farmhouse not far from here like you know the other side of Ellsbury and um the kids wouldn't sleep in in a particular room and uh I, I was asked to have a look at it it was as cold as ice and straight away I could see this elderly gentleman who was in the bed like this is all psychically and he was in bed and he died but he didn't know that he died he died in sleep and he was really attached to this house he'd lived there all his life and, and he absolutely loved living there anyway I, I offered him to go to the light and you know did all the stuff that I normally do and I was driving home and I realized he was with me he wouldn't go he was with me he stayed with me for 48 hours. He was totally curious. It didn't matter what I was doing. He was there. He was almost going, who are you? What are you doing? He wasn't in the least bit troubling me, but it was his way of trying to make sense of what had happened. And I'm, it maybe wasn't the whole 40 hours. But it was certainly getting on for a couple of days. And I suddenly felt him fade away. He just, but he was curious, completely curious. So, when that happens, it makes me realise that these people have a real attachment sometimes to where they have lived, and they find it quite difficult to, to just go. And in the case of the Texas one, you know, a mother and son obviously didn't want to leave the mother and wife alone, and there was this real sense of her not wanting them to go either. So it was both ways. They didn't want to go, and she didn't want them to go. And it took a lot of courage for her to let go because, you know, we're talking two or three years where she actually reached out and said, I need to do something now. I need to get this house cleared. I need to get on with my life. Um, 
And it's quite interesting. There's a, there seems to come a point in people's lives where that happens with grief, obviously, but also with these people, with this gentleman the far, in the farm, that it was obviously his time to go. And the kids had said, you know, brought attention to their mother. You know, I, I can't stay in this room. I, it's awful. So, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And that, and that would suggest that, um, you know, like you said, you use the word time for him to go. That would suggest that when you go, wherever you go, there's not a coming back. So that it, from what I'm getting from what you're saying, it's like it's people, either their imprint or, like you said, their energy that have stayed around and have not realised or have something traumatic but it doesn't sound like once they've gone to wherever they're going, they're not coming back. So the idea of it, like a, I don't know, if it's the stereotypical medium who says, I can get in contact with your dead aunt, it doesn't sound like that's how it works. Not for you, anyway. I do think that it's when people, I mean, mediums all around, you know, will listen to me and go, no, 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 I'm actually talking to the dead, but I can only say how I see it. Yeah. I think they are talking to aspects of the dead and they maybe can bring them back, but I'm not convinced they're talking to the entirety of the person. I've never once had a reading that has made any sense or has been of any help to me. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose like following on from that, the other obvious question is, it seems like there are a lot of um, entities or let's say partial entities trapped in that state where they don't either don't know they've died or they don't know they should pass to the light. It, it feels like it may be a difficult process. Why is it so hard for them, do you think? I think they have a genuine attachment to something here. That they, or, or as I said before, they don't know that they've gone. No, they, they just don't know that they've gone. But I, I hear, I understand, I understand the concept of that. But there must be a moment where you pass and go. Oh, I think I'm going to drive to the shops to buy some bread, and then you can't pick up the car keys. You can't get in the car, and then you must think like something's wrong. I mean, I like I I don't like the film, but I suppose. Um, the sixth sense has a good sort of um, visual representation of that. There must be a point where you go, oh, I don't need to go to the toilet. Like, I, how does how do they square that in their own heads, do you think? Or do you think they're not even thinking that far because it's just a partial consciousness that that doesn't even occur to them anymore? Well, they won't have a physical body, will they? So they, they won't have any needs, as in needing to go to the loo or... You know, we're talking about things that we can't prove. We don't know. I remember, Ben, it did take Bruce Willis at least one hour, 43 minutes to get there. <laughs> oh, boy. That was one hour, 43. I'm never getting back. We we were talking, um, we've talked quite a few times about, you know, TV shows that we're not going to mention the names, but, you know, that have got clairvoyance and mediums on who seem to kind of have these outrageous things happen all the time. And, you know, how that in some ways for people who have got a genuine gift, that must be quite frustrating and it makes it difficult, probably, I would guess, for you to kind of almost want to tell people what you do. Yeah, I mean, that's partly why I don't advertise, I don't have a website, I keep myself very quiet, because I really find that people don't understand, or they phone me to have a chat about something, and, you know, if people need the work I do, then they will find me via someone. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I've been putting off having a website for years. I'm not sure that's going to change. <laughs> because yeah. I don't want to be categorised as exactly these people who claim to do these things. And, and I'm sure they do do these things, but I've never had yet found someone, you know, who, who has given me a reading Yeah, that is accurate. 
Well, we we interviewed a um, an author who'd written a book. It's a, a case from the nineteen thirties called Jeff the Talking Mongoose, um, and but he'd also done lots of research on kind of mediums and uh, and ghost hunters and paranormal investigators around the kind of thirties forties around that time, and and he said that you know when it became a performance that often he thought that people did have some skills, but because it was a performance or people were paying to come and see them in a theatre, they felt they had to make something up because you've got to please your crowd, right? And that... that So even if... Well, you know, I'm not saying the people on TV haven't got some sense or some skill, but, you know, you can't pull that off every night, 50 nights a week or whatever. No, and that's, that's exactly right. I think if you have an hour reading... Within that hour, you will probably get a sentence or two that resonates and may have, you know, it's like, do you know anyone with the, you know, that's got the letter D in their name? Yeah, that cold reading type stuff. Um, Well, I I sort of would like um, to get to the end of the conversation by just asking if people feel like... um, they would like to try out their abilities on this or um you know not not i think have a go sounds really glib but develop their own uh abilities and senses what would be your advice Uh, if anyone asks me that and people often do i always say meditation is the key If, if you can still your mind and learn to meditate all sorts of things can evolve from that. Um, it's having a still mind that is the key, really. When there's chatter, there's no room for anything else. So the stiller that you can become, you know, do yoga, meditation, swimming, anything that's, that stills your mind, really. It doesn't have to be formal meditation. You know, walking, things like that. It's, uh, it's, it's opening your mind up to possibilities and that only happens when you can still your mind and do you think there are any dangers in it it feels like sometimes you're interacting with entities that maybe don't have our best uh best um perhaps they don't have the best intentions yeah, is it dangerous for us to try it, basically? I, I think possibly yes. I, I do hear people getting unstuck with things, and I sometimes have had to put things right where people have been uh, messing around with, with things. Uh, I, um, Yeah, Ouija boards and things like that, you know, they can bring in entities and then people can't manage them don't know quite how that works either but you know I, I i think you need to be careful with these things and do it for the highest good always you know it's it's not it's not a game it's it's something that was a game for me and then i learned differently that it, it was a gift actually that i've been able to develop but i think if you you know i mean obviously which I didn't realise until I spoke to you guys, that there is a manual on how to do these things. So yeah. I must get it. Prove yeah, my you, you have to get the remote viewing manual. Yeah, Das Smith's books, that's the one. It's got the military manual. Yeah, no, there is. But it's interesting, a lot of you, what you've talked about today uh, instinctively does fit with with aspects of that, which is of that manual, which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, look, I really wanted to thank you for being really honest and open and uh, even managing to answer what our place in the universe is when Ben asked you. Is that, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a pleasure to kind of have you on today. Right, Ben? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm only asking the questions that, like, bother we me at know. four in the morning. Yeah, you yeah. just want to know, yeah. And yeah. anybody who gets a bit closer to knowing than me... I'm really eager to hear the point of view because yeah. me too. Me too. <laughs> if anyone knows, let me know as well. Yeah, well, drop drop us a line on social media, and we'll uh, we'll we'll 
We'll solve the mysteries of the universe yeah, online. Just use hashtag meaning of life. That there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Sue. Thanks for coming on yeah, today. Yeah, thank you really very, very much for being so generous with your time. Thank you. It's been lovely to talk to you. Wow, Ben. How, I don't know, open, honest, uh, insightful. That was that was great. Really, yeah. really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I... I suspected that the questions that I really wanted the answers to were probably unknowable by anyone. Like, it's a bit unfair if the Dalai Lama can't answer them, then <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't have put them to Sue. But yeah, when to... you ask Sue what the meaning of life was, <laughs> yeah, so what was no. it? No, uh, what's our place in the universe? But um, I thought what was really intriguing. There was a couple of things that really struck me. This this kind of instinctual thing instinct yeah. was a word that came up quite a lot right from the her early experience that we talked about in the phone box yeah and that that was really interesting wasn't that description of how she saw it yes you know just like like a the third eye i think she described it at. and the other thing was just um that we were we had a brief chat before we came on and we started talking about remote viewing to sue and she didn't know that much about it. I think she'd listened to uh, one of our podcasts on it, either the Daz Smith or the Paul H. Smith interview. I think um, both, actually. Yeah. And she listened to both. Yeah. yeah, and she was quite intrigued by that. But a lot of what she was talking about really resonated with the remote viewing experience of, you know, noise, signal. You know, she didn't phrase it in that way, but those things kind of came up, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Well, th- like I said, like I think the relationship between the craft of Paul and Daz and the ability of Sue, they have a lot of crossovers. It's just um, to the use that they put them for. Like I would quite like now, like we are due another chat with Daz because we need to do his experiment. And we I, do, don't we? We do. And, and I'm intrigued to know whether he has ever sensed or seen the entities that Sue sees. I wonder whether that is the difference yeah yeah oh, and how well how if it does in any way fit into the the remote viewing world yeah the the yeah. daz's remote viewing world yeah rather than yeah exactly remote yeah world. um yeah really fascinating um and i thought i yeah again i, I mean you have had this a lot of what she talked about it kind of seemed a bit stone tape theory again that mm-hmm. somehow this imprint had been left but then in some ways it 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 felt a little bit more than that it was almost you know stone tape theory plus that there was some it's not just a replay seemed to come across as well it was Mm -hmm. kind of stone tape theory-esque but it wasn't just a pure replay it was obviously Mm -hmm. like some energy had been left behind that still had some level of sentiency if that's the right word it's probably not a word yeah um I no, found that it, fascinating. That do, yeah, it does make sense because the stone tape theory, it's the um, it's the sky plus theory of the paranormal. It constantly replays episodes of Family Guy, whereas yeah. what she is saying is that it's more like a Netflix recommendation that you never know what you're going to get next. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that, but also there's like a red button where you can uh, interact. interact with something. Yeah. And so it's like in that really, really dubious simile, it's not like you're there in the writer's room with the people who create Family Guy and you're not there with the animators, but there is a little bit more to it than just watching the show. And and maybe that is a good way to understand, like, it's very difficult if you haven't seen it, I think, to understand what she means by part of an entity i thought her um explanation of hand in the sand was good but it's yeah. kind of like um the it leaves a load of questions which are as yet unanswerable questions of which bit of the personality stays behind and why what yeah why that bit um and maybe, maybe the analogy is more like um black mirrors bandersnatch where it's you you could go you know do you know what i mean where you press the button and something different comes up or oh yeah 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 yeah, that's yeah that's better actually yeah 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 
Well, uh, well, I mean, like you said, it was like uh, I think we had unrealistic expectations that we were going to get the answers to everything that goes on in paranormal life. But I do feel that we've got more of an insight of what it's like yeah. to have those abilities and what it's like. And I, uh, you know, and uh, you know, respect for Sue for being that open and honest and kind of almost letting us into a world which you know you don't really get to to explore that i think because there is some benefit in lots of ways for people to keep it quite mystic you know what i mean it's almost yeah. like a magician telling you his tricks but she didn't do that but it was more it, i got a real impression of what it must like to feel and be part of the process of what she does which yeah. i think is is really interesting and how hard it is to explain to everybody else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I would say, like, we've always, like, we've known when we started this project, people um, either known to us or uh, in the media have always said, once you start looking at the phenomena, it looks back at you. And one of the things that happened to me this week was everywhere I turned, it was Houdini. Everywhere. Oh, like, really? Yeah. So all the podcasts I listen to normally, they were all talking about the strange death of Houdini and his relationship with spiritualism. My YouTube recommendations have all been about it. So it could be that, um, you know, the, maybe my search Somehow terms... Somehow got your Google search. Yeah. Right, yeah. But, um, but still. Al also Amazon book recommendations. And then outside the possibilities of Google search terms, uh, somebody started randomly talking to me about Houdini the other day, saying, oh, you know, you should do Houdini on the show because he was really interested in it. <laughs> and I was like, blimey, this, all this Houdini stuff, it's, I've been Houdinied out for the last seven days. Well, it's funny, I, I have something similar as well, which uh, we, we, we did a bonus episode, I think it was called uh, Mechanics Assemble. Oh, yeah. Um, where I talked about a dream I had about Jeff the Mongoose. Yes. And in my dream, I was singing, oh, well, I won't go into the whole thing again, but I was singing a, uh, a Chaz and Dave song, and yeah. Jeff the Mongoose sung some Chaz and Dave back to me. Now, after that, on uh, online, Christopher Joseph, who wrote the, the Jeff book, who we interviewed, um, me and him started exchanging Chaz and Dave songs with kind of Jeff titles in, you know, you've mm. got more mongoose than Sainsbury's. There was lots of that kind of stuff. Mm. And I thought, oh, yeah, I know Chaz or Dave or one of both of them were session musicians. And I was trying to look up to see if there were any other kind of song titles that we could keep joking about online. And I came across a weird thing that uh, it was either Chaz or Dave, I think Chaz, but definitely one of them got their first break as a session musician for Joe Meek. Oh, my God. Now, listeners will know that uh, we did an episode on EVPs with a guy called Tony Hayes, who's an expert on it, uh, and he talked about Joe Meek and what happened to Joe Meek and that Joe Meek had picked up these weird paranormal uh, signals on the recordings that he did and started taping in uh, cemeteries and various other stuff. Well, I thought that's just a weird coincidence that I had this Chaz and Dave thing going on with Christopher Joseph and then suddenly I found out that, you know, one of Chaz and Dave got their big break working for Joe Meek. Weird, weird world. Gosh, perhaps one day we'll find not the unifying theory of the paranormal and the universe, but just our podcast series. Yeah. All we need to do now is find out that Nikki dated Joe Meek and we, our work can cease. Yeah, our job here is done. Our job here is done, exactly. Uh, well, on that note, uh, uh, before we go, I just wanted to say we've had some lovely, lovely comments online recently. So I'm sure we'll do another bonus episode uh, soon and give a shout out to all those people. But. Uh, anybody who's followed us, left a review or sent us a message, thank you very much. Keep them coming. Keep keep reviewing and uh, tell your friends about us. That'd be great. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. And I think in the inimitable words of Chaz and Dave, 
Snooker Loopy, nuts are we. We're all Snooker Loopy. P. See you next time. See you next time. <laughs>